1: Welcome back to episode four of the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by rosterwatch.com. We are live right now in the media workroom in Indianapolis at the 2017 NFL Combine. It is Wednesday. We've just gotten done with media availability uh, with what I guess probably 15 uh, to 20. NFL league types, uh, coaches, GMs, et cetera. Myself, Alex Dunlap, here as always with Byron Lambert, your boys in Roster Watch with boots on the ground here in Indy. Byron, any takeaways from what's. We're sitting here, it's just we're, it, we're kind of at a, at a lunch break, stopping the action, trying to just keep Roster Watch Nation as updated as possible. Highlights from your perspective from the coaches and GMs thus far? Uh,
2: I, another year of. Matthew Barry just standing at the press conferences, quietly watching us ask all our questions like we do, all our fantasy <laughs> walked, questions. Barry walked up to me. He said, hey, man, what do
1: they, what do they say about Chris Ivory? I, I, I know you asked about he Chris He came up Ivory. and asked about that? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs>
2: uh, I'd say the biggest news so far uh, for today, um, well, we'll say news, uh, Doug Martin. We all know that he's going to be suspended for Adderall to begin next season. He was injured all year. He's really had a very up and down career and talking to Bucks uh, GM Jason light today, he just read his kind of read into what he said. He essentially said he, Doug Martin was fairly weak minded this last year. And um, I, you just got the feeling from the tone in his voice and the things that he said that the, that the bucks are not long for Doug Martin. No, or that
1: Doug Martin's not, not long for the bucks. I, I think that, Running back is something that they're, they're going to have to address. That they're planning on ad- addressing. Dirk Cutter was no nicer, you know. And, no, and, not and at what all. What he said about Doug Martin. I, I mean, I asked, you know, what what is this? Is it? You know, I mean, he said that health had something to do with it. I said there has to be other precipitating factors. We're talking about a guy who, in eight games, you know, failed to rush for more than eighty-seven yards in, in a single game. While he was technically healthy, he had two point seven yards. A per carry average on the season, you know, and you know, Dirk, like Dirt Cutter said, he said a lot of that's probably you know somewhat psychological. You know, he's coming off a big contract, he you know, or a big contract extension. They said that, or Cutter said that. Uh, here, I'll just that's just terrible that you even have to. I'll I'll t- just <sighs> I'll, I'll just drop the clips right here. And do you think you it was all yourself? health for Doug Martin? Last year, cause I think he played in eight games, never more than like 87 yards, 2.7 yards a carry, even when healthy. When healthy. Do you think he was never healthy through the season? Was there anything else that were, were precipitating factors to his down season besides just the health during, during the time that he was actually playing, I guess the eight games that he did play?
3: Yeah, well, there, obviously there's a lot of things that go into that. I mean, uh, running backs don't do it all on their own. They have to, they have, to have help. And then <clears throat> anytime a player is, is uh, injured for any long period of time, and i think doug was out something like six or seven weeks with that hamstring and re-injured it at one and had to start back from scratch i think there's also a a psychological process uh, especially coming off a big signing a big free agent process and uh, i think i think that uh the psychological side of guys that are injured i think that flows through every player in the league i don't think doug's the only guy that has that situation so yeah i think there was more than one thing and Part of it is it's a team game. As
2: well as the audio vault that's going to be up at rosterwatch.com with all the combine audio. Uh, I will say Jason Light did say that he believed the offensive line took a step back this last year. I think that showed up on the field. It may be part of the factors with the running game.
1: But they say that they like what they have. Well, they like
2: the core pieces. They like Donovan Smith, the young kid at left tackle. They like Marpet. I believe they said they like their center. So it sounds like a group coming together, but I got the distinct feeling that Jason Light sounded like a man who's prepared to invest in his offensive line this offseason.
1: 100% agreed. Uh, what do he tell you
2: about Cameron Brait? I'll just, I'll just I'll drop that right here. Uh, thoughts coming
1: out of the season about Cameron Brait and what you saw out of him kind of taking on a bigger role?
3: He started, well, we, we liked what we saw in Cam um, last year, but then this year in training camp, he was one of our most consistent players. And, it, you know, he maintain that throughout the season he was uh, he's got a good rapport with the quarterback he's got really good hands he makes a lot of contested catches he's really smart and he's getting better as a blocker we're did, really excited about him
1: did, i don't think that he i i was expecting sound like him, him to a be huge. a little more in love his face doesn't light up at the idea of cameron Bray no, like it does about quan alexander <laughs> or or especially Jameis winston they love Jameis Winston <laughs> they, Boy, they, they are apologists he could, for him Jameis could murder somebody and they just say look he made a mistake he's a great kid <laughs> you
2: know? I'll tell you an annual pleasure of ours is getting to go to the John Harbaugh interviews he is a fantastic interview he's
1: it's a 180 from his
2: brother oh, Jim he's so nice and you just wonder where those two diverged I mean it's insane how different it is John Harbaugh's awesome he told us today that he still has very very high expectations for Brashad He thinks he can break through and be an elite wide receiver in this league and certainly going to get a chance to start on the outside. What sounds like it's going to be opposite of Mike Wallace, sounds like the team is still very high on trying to find a way to keep Mike Wallace. And then what he told us is he loves Chris Moore, our guy, roster watching Nation's golden child, Chris Moore from Cincinnati. Senior bowler last year, all senior bowl team from 2016. Just a terrific young wide receiver and – John Harbaugh was glowing when we asked about him. He wouldn't give me his base personnel and his the offense, but I'm assuming there's going to be quite a few three wide receiver sets. And I'll tell you, I think Chris Moore is going to give Rashad Perriman all he all he can handle for that starting job opposite of Mike Wallace. If
1: they bring back Mike Wallace, I'm not insu- I'm I'm not entirely sure that it's completely feasible. With the with I mean, they got to save. They have the they have what. The fifth worst cap situation in the in the entire league. He's due eight million dollars,
2: only two million of that dead. And I just I don't know. I, I just Kenny Stills is about to get twelve million dollars. That's at least what his agent's floating. It's just insane the big money that's going around. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that they're gonna go to Mike Wallace and see if they can talk him into doing something to get those numbers down. But, and you, and but you
1: gotta remember that Kamar, you know, Kamar Aiken's looking like he's gonna be gone. There's gonna be a lot of times where they might you know, they talked about Chris Moore a lot about how much they liked his, his route running and, and his, his ability to create separation that way. I
2: think that, you know, they could use, him, they could use those guys in three wide receiver sets yeah, together. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the deal. He said, they still have, he, they said, he said they have a bunch of tight ends they want to use, but I'm not sure that's ever worked out. I'm not sure it's ever worked out. And what I see potentially happening is they gotta fix that, they got to fix the running game. Well, he said he likes Kenneth Dixon a lot. He well, said he breaks tackles, which surprises me. I never thought Kenneth Dixon was good on contact for his size. But well, hey man, my
1: my buddy Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus, he tweeted out uh, a response to that tweet whenever I had I'd said it about the breaking tackles, and he said that I, I guess by PFF's like tackle uh, caused uh, missed tackles yep. stat apparently per you know per snap or whatever per rush. He was number one in the entire league. So that that was something that was kind of there to his game. That was a thing that if we didn't notice, that was a thing.
2: Well, we're going to have to keep an eye on what happens in this draft. I'll, dr- I'll, 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 I'll drop what Harbaugh said about well, Kenneth Dixon right Hey, if they don't draft a, good, uh, a running back high, Kenneth Dixon could be a sneaky, sneaky play in our redraft. evaluation. Of the I'll go ahead and drop the audio of it here.
1: Kenneth Dixon, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm a Kenneth Dixon fan. I think Kenneth Dixon proved himself. You know, I'm, I really – I love his personality.
3: You know, I love his humility. We have a, uh, a thing on Fridays. Some of our guys do it called Armageddon, okay? It's not a biblical reference. It's a weightlifting reference, okay? So it's an arm workout and some other stuff that our guys, some of our guys do, led by Eric Weddle and our strength coach, Steve Saunders. And uh, so I had a chance to do Armageddon with, uh, with Kenneth Dixon.
1: So I got a chance to see his up-close personal workout and his arm strength, which is quite impressive. Uh, but he's a fun guy to be around. And he's a hard worker, and he wants to be great. And he's, he can
3: break tackles. I like that about him, too. So I'm excited about him. I think he's going to be a, a, a top back.
2: Uh, let's see. I, hey, here's the other thing, though, I will say. He was glowing about Mike Wallace. All right, uh, next up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was certainly a different
1: take on Mike Wallace than I was expecting. He was glowing about it. I was expecting that to kind of be like, that's a wait and see. We got some time to think about it. we got some good younger pieces. I kind of thought that they were just going to be done with them, but it doesn't seem like as
2: it. usual Falcons head coach Dan Quinn was very fired up to be at the podium fired up he came up there and kind of gave his he he kind of had a therapy session for himself up there letting everybody know that he's watched the Super Bowl a million times <laughs> and you can't can't just draw it back to one play and <laughs> he kind of got a, he just wanted to get out
1: in front of it he didn't want a million questions about this damn Super he's Bowl he's already thought about it a you know, he was I'm the only done. coach that got up there and gave an opening statement. That was the whole statement was like, "I know what you're going to ask. Have I watched the game? Yes, I've watched it over and over, <laughs> like all this stuff." And I think what you know, he probably did a pretty good job because you know there weren't that many questions
2: about about the, the horrible loss in the no, Super Bowl. He, he's so nice, you almost don't want to ask him those questions about that game. Austin Hooper, the young tight end in Atlanta, they are excited about him expecting to see his role uh, grow quite a bit over the offseason as anticipated. Certainly this is a guy in our dynasty leagues we want to keep an eye on. And I thought it was interesting to ask Dan Quinn about if they struck the balance that they were looking for with Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman this year. And he pretty firmly said yes, that they they hit exactly where they were planning last preseason with the uh, the split work in the backfield, and so I think Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman owners, we know exactly what we have moving forward here. This is going to be I don't exactly what any surprises. What probably 18 touches a game or so, 17 to 19 touches a game for Freeman, and uh, probably 10 to 13 or so for Tevin Coleman. Um, you asked about Julio Jones getting in the red zone more often.
1: Well, I'd say he's going to get more red zone looks. Julio Jones only had 11 red zone targets last year. And I asked Dan Quinn about it, and I'll actually drop the audio right here. Speaking of how to best utilize players, do you, could you foresee uh, Julio Jones starting to get more action in the red zone, in the end zone? Do you feel like he was utilized enough in that way? In we season? do.
0: Um, certainly when uh, players uh, who have unique stuff oftentimes get uh, you know a lot of attention, and uh, the red zone is one of those ways. So um, as long as the production is where we would like it to be, you know, like, every play going to who is generally a pretty good play in my opinion (laughs) but when there's opportunities based on the coverage going a certain way for other guys who are single to get open uh, i'm comfortable with that too so uh, as we go through this offseason, for sure, that's going to be a spot to say, can he become even more involved uh, in what we do? But uh, fortunately for us, uh, we've got some weapons uh, at a number of different spots at tight end, at running back, at the other spots at receiver. Uh, I
3: think just made- It's
2: crazy that, that Julio Jones isn't targeted more in the red zone. I did get to ask, though, what the expected changes in the offensive uh, scheme are going to be with new offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian coming from Alabama. Uh, with uh, Kyle Shanahan having left for the 49ers. And really, Dan Quince, said all the core principles, the outside zone, um, everything is going to stay, for the most part, just the same uh, in the offense. I, what I expect to see with Sarkeesian is he's going to come in and he's going to, I think he's going to attack down the field. Yeah, I think so May, too. Maybe install a few different runs that we haven't seen as much of to this point under Shanahan.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess with Quinn, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we have from him. Mainly, we just asked about, like you said, Austin Hooper. They like him, you know. They like his
2: development. But he wouldn't really give us anything committal about where they're at with him. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, we'll have to see how much the tight end going to be used in that offense. like I said, I'm not sure that they love him. I think that they like
1: him, you know. I, th- I think that they're happy enough with him. But I mean, when's the last time that we saw a tight end utilized heavily in
2: the, in, in Atlanta? Period. Did he say that he was the first guy in the tight end room every day, Hooper? Yeah, but he said that's scary sometimes when you hear that. He
1: said last year that, that Justin Hardy was the first
2: guy in the wide receiver room every yeah, day. We and all, that guy didn't didn't, didn't play a. Lick. We all know how that turned out. So I got to go and um,
1: how about how about um, how about Mc, how, how about Sean Sean McDermott?
2: Boy, uh, I just thought he was no non. I to me on the surface, he seems like a fantastic hire for Buffalo.
1: Yeah, here's here's what he said. I wanted to ask about. Um, I wanted to ask about Jonathan Williams. Because I just wanted to see where he is on that guy. You know, as we've talked about in our dynasty leagues, LaShawn McCoy a guy we think that still has value and is still going to hold value for the next
2: probably year to two years. But Well, you heard McDermott talk about that Rick uh, Dennison offense. He's fired up about that well, offense. Well, he says that Rick Dennison's a guy who he's been
1: watching for years. Yeah. You know, that's an offense that he loves.
2: And as we've told uh, the listeners, uh, Rick Dennison is an understudy of Gary Kubiak. And if if you listen to them, uh, what we're going to see is they're going to roll them out. Uh, it's just going to be a lot of what we've always seen in a in, in a Gary Kubiak offense. So um, I expect to see quite a bit of LaShawn McCoy this year.
1: No, yeah, I I do too. I mean, I think that that's only I mean that's only realistic to expect it. We're going to get a big dose of him, but like we've kept on saying. I just I I don't know how long it's going to continue to last. Uh,
2: Sean McDermott did say they were able to re-sign or to keep uh, defensive lineman Kyle Williams, who's been with the team for a long time. Um, you asked about Jonathan Williams. You already mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he said he he said he's pretty excited about him. Um, let's see here.
1: What about Doug Marone? So that was I, you. I asked Doug Marone about uh, Chris Ivory. They're paying that guy like a. Uh, they're paying that guy like a, you know, they're paying that guy like a, a starter feature back here. Here, here's, here's the audio from Mar- Marone on that one. It seems like Chris Ivory is getting paid like a feature back. You guys plan on maybe committing to giving him a little more, more volume next season.
3: I think that all depends on how everyone comes back and how they perform. I think it's very difficult to get into a point of what, you know, what's going on commitment wise right now, because we just uh, went through evaluating the team. Now we're into the free agency. Now we're into the draft. But, again, uh, you know, we need better play from everyone. You know, we want better play out of both Chris and TJ. And, you know, Corey Grant came on late at the end of the year. We have Denard Robinson. So we have, we have some guys back there that should be very good competition for us. And then also,
1: I mean, I just wanted to ask about Bortles. What, you know, What'd he say? what, what, what led to his regression here? I'll just, I'll just let you hear what he said. What were the factors that led to Blake Bortles kind of regressing in 2016? as a quarterback?
3: Well, I think a lot of it. I think, you know, when you look at, you know, you talk to Blake individually, he'll, he'll acknowledge that his mechanics, um, you know, had gotten loose during the year. Uh, we were able to pick up on that at the end of the year and improve on that through, you know, individual and things of that nature. So, but, you know, also we have to get better around him too. I mean, I think that the success of the quarterback, you know, obviously he, he controls a lot of it. You know, we all know that. But I think that, uh, you know, when you can get better around him, better into protection, better in the running game, I think all those things are going to help him.
2: I'll tell you he surprised me a little bit with his answers. And, I, you know, he, he he's good at the podium and he's willing to talk and, and answer your questions, but he's a lot of times – John Fox of the Bears, sometimes it's hard to read into it, to what he has to say. I asked him, I said, has Jordan Howard, is that after a huge rookie year, did Jordan Howard establish himself as the feature back and a workhorse in this offense moving forward? And he just went on to say Jordan Howard had a wonderful year and we're looking for big things from him. But he, he did not commit to Jordan Howard being a 20-touch-per-game workhorse for that team. He
1: needs to be. Well, it has to be. That's how they win football games.
2: Yeah, especially –
1: you can't be you can't be sacrificing the ability to win football games just to get these idiots like Jeremy
2: Langford and Kadim Carey in the football game. He did say that he 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 thinks Alshon is pretty good when he's healthy and on the field. <laughs> it's about exactly what he said. He, he didn't rave about him, but he says he's pretty good if he's healthy. I, I did get to ask him. I said, "Where in the world are we on Kevin White's development?" And he said, "Well, he was the number seven pick in the draft a couple years ago, and he." Lost his rookie year completely to injury, and then he said last year he came back and he was just. He said it was a very slow start, having been out of football for a year. Last year was just a big transition for him. So of course it's the fir- former top ten pick. They're of course they're going to tell us they're expecting his development to continue and his role to grow next year. But it was less than any kind of glowing endorsement for Kevin White as well.
1: Well, that's no good.
2: <laughs> I hate that for some of our hate dynasty it. leagues. Hate it. Um. Yeah, I I wasn't over there for Fox.
1: Anything else stand out to you from from that?
2: Uh no, not that not in particular from John. Were were you around for
1: from from, from John? He's yeah. <laughs> a first name basis with yeah, this Yeah, that's dude. how it gets around here. Um <laughs> okay, uh uh McAdoo, were we were, were you around coach coach McAdoo for the Giants? Uh, no, I was not. Were you? Yes. All right. So, I asked McAdoo about Paul Perkins about what, you know, that's something we always talk about and kind of ponder around here. His ability to carry the load, whether or not he can be a three down back. I'm starting to think that he's going to be a satellite and complementary back. Is that the um, feeling you got from and McAdoo? It certainly is. I'll actually let you hear this. Physically and right. attributes wise, do you see Paul Perkins as a guy who could be an every down back?
3: Uh, you know, Paul's a lot like the rest of the rookies. I think uh, it's important when these rookies, uh, they get back to New York, they understand that you know they don't have everything figured out that we need to keep our thumb on those guys and they need to grow and they need to get better uh, we need to make gains. Uh, our rookie class needs to make gains. we have a nice class of guys there and Paul's one of those well Paul's one of those players but he needs to get better and like the rest of them even if it's marginally in each area of his game but we need yeah, to make gains so, there
1: and, but one guy who we love you know uh, the roster watch nation owns this owns this tight end in a lot of their dynasty leagues. That is Jarrell Adams uh, out of South Carolina. He was on our all-senior bowl roster in, I believe, 2015. And, I mean, if you thought McAdoo was low on Paul Perkins, listen to what he says about Jarrell Adams. Oh, Ouch. From Jarrell uh, Adams in his, his first year? Uh, takeaways? Yes.
3: Uh, Jarrell is a, a young player that that works hard, uh, made some progress as a rookie, uh, needs to keep developing on special teams. Uh, that'll be a big part of things for Jarrell and as a tight end. Uh, but he has some flashes of, of good plays for us. Uh, we, we feel like he can be a good blocker for us and, and progress in the, in the pass game as well. So,
1: I mean, with with that, the thing that I take away from it is he's – Basically McAdoo's saying about Jarrell Adams that he needs to improve and, and and specifically he needs to improve in special teams because that's is his, his primary role.
2: So this, this
1: is not, ouch. Yeah, that's not a good He must dude. not
2: be a very good blocker. Yeah, he, I, I don't think he was at the senior bowl. Well, I mean he he said, was a good pass catcher.
1: Well he said though, he like as as we just heard, he went on to he he went on to say that they that they envisioned him being a good blocker for them. It was like all the stuff that I did not want to hear as a fantasy owner. <laughs> so Jarrell Adams is just stuck way down. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's almost in the toilet. Well,
2: he'd be have to be the kind of guy if there's an injury to Will Ty and he's getting a start You can't beat he, out if you can't beat out Will yeah, Ty you
1: can't is, flash enough yeah. to where the head coach of the football team knows through a whole football season that you have some kind of upside. I don't think that. Yeah, it's tough. Especially Eli loves time, those tight ends. It's, it's time to it's 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 time to cut bait. On I will say drives. one of the
2: more interesting tidbits today. Um. Parse through this a little bit. Is one of the hardest working GMs in the league. Is Steelers GM uh, Kevin Colbert. We see him at more pro days than we see, I think, any other GM. He's very, very involved in the scouting process. And um, man, I asked him. I said, "Hey, what?" I asked him without Martavis Bryant. How did that affect the offense this year? And the first thing he said was, "Well, you know, when you got a player of those skill set, you know, losing him is." Um, certainly troublesome, but he did say. He said those other guys stepped right in and filled right in for Martavis. He says that he can't even talk to Martavis right now because he's still suspended by the league. And, and what he said is, he said flat out, the offense improved and was better in 2016 than in 2015. My eyeballs tell me that offense was better with Martavis Bryant two years ago. Kevin Colbert said, that offense was better without Martavis Bryant this year. Now, he didn't say it was better because they were without him. Right. It, it wasn't necessarily causal. Yeah. Yeah, but he's I'll tell you, he didn't not a guy that's losing any sleep over Martavis Bryant. Well, he,
1: he I mean, he should be because he's he's tried to he's tried to replace him with 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 shitty wide receivers. Bad
2: ones. You know? So I mean, he's he's obviously had the, the thoughts about—I mean, really—you—they've about drafted so many wide receivers. It's hard to see them drafting more wide receivers. But it feels like the Steelers need to look at receiver behind Antonio Brown. It's Eli Rogers, yeah. Darius Hayward, Bay, Sammy Coates stinks. Yeah, Kobe that's Hamilton. A mo- that's a Moliker. The- I'm yeah. not even
1: sure he's still on the roster. Yeah. That's so yeah, pretty, 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 pretty nasty there. What about what about Duke Tobin from the? Um, from the Bengals, one of the things i mean they drew some headlines was my question to him about whether or not he would he would um have interest in in hearing offers for eight for aj mccarron backup quarterback aj mccarron oh, this was great
0: i'll i'll actually let you hear that audio. In the right Bengals
1: and just like listening to offers for aj mccarron
0: uh the questions on aj mccarron you know in in the phones in our office work. They always work. And so uh, the question was, uh, is there any interest in listening? I've got an interest in listening to uh, any of you that want to talk. Uh, you know, the larger point on a j. McCarran for us is that uh, he is a very valuable piece of what we do. so it's it's not a point where we're saying, hey, uh, you know, gee, what can we do with this guy? Because we don't really have a plan in place for him with us. There's a plan in place for him with us. He's a, he, he plays a very valuable position, backup quarterback. And you're always one play away from going to your backup quarterback. We view our team as a team that can challenge, That you know, w- w- whether that's universal or not. We view our team as a team that is in the mix to challenge. And if you don't have a viable number two quarterback that you can go to and win with, You can tank your entire season. So he's a very valuable piece of what we do. If somebody wants to call and and talk to us, call and talk to us. But they're going to find out that we value A.J. McCarron quite a bit.
2: A.J. McCarron, a quarterback we've scouted live at Alabama Pro Day a few years back, a a player we were higher on than most uh, in the draft and scouting community. Uh, It sounds like he's becoming a pretty good backup there in Cincinnati. And like you said, the phones are open. (laughs) <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah. I thought an interesting thing from Tobin was he was talking about how he scouts uh, wide receivers coming into the draft. and He says he loves wide receivers that were productive, u- ultra productive and were key parts of their offense, i.e.
1: Tyler Boyd he so he cares about the so he cares about the offensive market share because yes. that because that's the thing that Tyler Boyd that's what he like and that's so funny because a lot of the scouting community a lot of draft Twitter and stuff they said that he's only like that because he's the product of volume and all the rest that was nothing that we ever said because we had of course to our pro subscribers um, we we had the on field uh, measurables from last year where we're going to be this year too we are gonna need to see every route run by every single one of these guys and great, every single route run by every single one. Last year, the winner of that whole thing was Tyler Boyd. We came out of this thinking that he was an impressive, just a, a elite route running and pass catching option. So it wasn't just a product of volume for us. But even if you are one of these people that says, I don't like this receiver because he was a product of volume at the college level, just understand that there are some people that are employed by NFL you know, teams to, to make the decisions about their personnel that go the exact opposite of that.
2: Well, and I thought it was interesting that he very specifically called Tyler Boyd a slot wide receiver in that offense. So we know that's the case for sure. But he went out of his way to say he thought that Tyler Boyd had a really solid rookie year um, and, you know, really outperformed their expectations. I'm not sure it was great for fantasy, but uh, that's a. They love Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. If you want him in Dynasty,
1: you should love him too. And just one last thing from Duke Tobin I asked him about. A.J. Green, just has he been around the building? Have you seen the dude? How's he moving and stuff? He's like, oh, man, no, he's he's been cleared. He's back. He's 100%. He is good to go to start any kind of workouts that are going to occur this spring. And, uh, you know, OTA is coming into the summer. So, a- A.J. Green, back at it, 100% healthy per
2: the team. I could not get Bruce Arians or Steve Kime to commit to J.J. Nelson as a starting outside receiver. Uh this year, I think it's just his it's his he's so small those guys just can't play the volume of snaps that you need to play to be a full time starter
1: well who else is going to be a full time starter because you well, told me that hes like they weren't sure about John Brown well what
2: they said about John Brown was that they said he's fine and he's healthy and like all his medicals and stuff are coming back, but they said the fact is we just don't know until we get him back on the field so they're they're really not sure i think they, they're in they're in the market for Michael floyd's gone yeah I mean
1: yeah they're i probably I, Larry Prob- Fitzgerald is all too old. He going to be around for a
2: few more, you know, a few more years. That Garcon talk is making some sense.
1: Uh, what about Deshaun Jackson?
2: Uh,
1: I mean With I think, the Carson Palmer?
2: Yeah, I don't hate only it. Only for man. one year. Yeah, I just I don't I think there's better spots
1: for him. What about uh what about some of these Titans coaches or the GMs? Were you around any I of them? It's John
2: Robinson. What do he have to say? Okay, so
1: I talked to I asked John Robinson. About you know, I I asked him to you know like he 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 said there was a coaching thing, so I didn't even get an answer for it. But I just I clearly I asked about whether the running back split, the split of carries, was going to stay the same between Demarco and Derrick Henry. He said you know that's a probably a question for uh, Coach Mularkey. But you know he was pleased last year with how how everything went. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any you know. Well, anything coming from management to, say, feed Derrick Henry the football anymore. No, not. I think not. it's going to take an injury to DeMarco, which is bound to happen. It's going to happen at some point in 2017. And then I think Derrick Henry takes the reins, goes big, and then uh, at a time when it's much more reasonable to kind of look back at DeMarco Murray's contract there in 2018, there could be possible talks then about him taking less money. we got Derrick Henry. He's come, come off this okay season.
2: So, I think that's sort of where we are there with there with. I mean, that. I think we're expecting an uptick for Henry, but not enough to be valuable unless Murray goes down.
1: I asked him about uh, Richard Matthews and just the, you know, year one evaluation out of that guy. I mean, not over-the-top love for the dude, but he said, to, you know, yeah. he said he came in and he was, you know, productive. He was very productive and, and effective if you look at his numbers. And even if you don't look at his numbers, he also talked about how he'd bought in and, you know, stuff like that, about how he'd bought into what they were trying to do culture-wise there with the Titans under this new regime. And that, you know, he's a guy that they kind of like. I-, I tried to follow up by asking if they would, you know, receiver was going to be a position that they were going to look at in this draft, and he wouldn't give me an answer.
2: Well, that means that's probably <laughs> what they're looking at. He's not too far from the Bill Belichick way of doing things. Um, I'll tell you, I could not get um, – John Schneider of the Seahawks just said it's too early for this kind of talk, but I asked him <laughs> what he, I said. How would you like to see this the split in the work in the backfield? And basically, what he says is he says that ProSize has to prove that he could be a reliable back first. That that apparently they are not totally well. That's not glowing. Yeah, not totally comfortable with that yet. Um, but to me, that sounds like it's going the way of Devontae and Tevin Coleman with what with with, with, Rawls with Rawls and Pro, and pro size. size. Now he didn't mention he did not mention Alex Collins. Maybe we'll get a chance to ask Pete Carroll about him. Yes, we'll make sure and do that. And uh, let's see last but not least for for me the interviews I went to uh, Rick Spielman of the Minnesota Vikings. I got to ask him about you know we've just uh, we love Stefan Diggs and we've seen him flash so big, but I got to just ask him why have we not seen the consistency? Where is he in his growth? You know, where is he in the pecking order? And, I mean, what Spielman – and Spielman told us last year, him and Zimmer told us last year at at the Combine, they viewed Stephon Diggs as a wide receiver too. It's why they went out and drafted Laquan Treadwell. Um, But basically what he said is he said that uh, for Diggs, it's been a big adjustment coming from Maryland. So it's taken him a couple years to really acclimate. But he said he's becoming a polished professional receiver now, and he's expecting that to – result in more consistency but but he essentially said stefan diggs is at the top of the packing order in minnesota and that he believes stefan diggs can be one of the one of the top receivers in the league
1: i'm sure he hopes so yeah
2: (laughs) i'm trying to think of you asked uh, him about the running back
1: draft yeah he just said he just just said he thought it's one of the best one of the best running draft running back drafts that he's ever or you no, know, the best and the deepest running back draft he has ever seen and this is a man who's a football man, he's been around football a long time. Well, that's so, perfect for that's, them and that's perfect for us as, as, yeah. as, as Dynasty League players and, and owners it's going to be fun this year to be able to get guys who are contributors even late into that well, third round of rookie And draft.
2: Spielman's been telling us he's looking at he's been looking at running backs for a couple years, did he mention that they looked, who, who said today that they were hot on Zeke last year? Was that Harbaugh who said that?
1: Yes, John Harbaugh said that they were that they had Zeke extremely highly on. They wanted on, Somebody on their asked board.
2: about the value of a rookie running back.
1: Yes, um, and then I guess you know, I mean, last for me is uh, Sashi Brown of the Browns, and this guy's so cockamamie. He's just as cockamamie as all that to, to Cleveland media. He's probably you know he's he's probably just tired of dealing with all their bullshit questions, <laughs> and so he just doesn't give you any answers. But. Um, I asked about Isaiah Crowell. You know that's an impending deal. How? What's his um, level of urgency about bringing back Crowell? He says that he thinks he's a good player, but he still has the he's still a restricted free agent. They have a, the luxury of a little bit more time with him before having to make a decision. So they'll be making that decision at some point moving forward. Uh, uh, asked about Corey Coleman, and he said because what because what he had said, said before was that you know when we draft you you know even even if you're a rookie we expect you to come in and play immediately 1st we 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 want you to come in and play and I said well so where 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 do you stand on Corey Coleman um because he didn't re- you know he was he was injured a lot and you know he, he didn't really contribute in a lot of the ways you might want a first round you know playmaker a difference maker to contribute but what Sashi did say is if you look at the games that he was healthy he and you and you put and he he, he got sick and you and you Pace that out through a whole season if he could stay healthy it would have been a monster so uh you know something to keep in mind there sashi definitely you know a big fan of Corey coleman did you ask him your analytics question
2: about quarterbacks
1: <laughs> no i wanted to i, I but he got off. dude he, he, it was a 15-minute interview he got off the stage and the hell away from that cleveland media in like after eight minutes he just didn't he, he, he didn't want to deal with it anymore Hey, you would do the same thing. All right, so that'll end Episode 4 of the podcast. We'll we'll try and get another one out again today after the second round of Coach and GM Availability if Byron does not quit breathing loudly into the microphone. What do you think? I'll try my best. (laughs) All right.